Are we recording? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Caitlin, think back for a minute in your memory log to when you were 15. 15. If you had a day off from school, like mm-hmm. a Friday, how would you spend it? If I wasn't grounded mm. and I was allowed to play with friends for willing. Oh, yeah. That's a good way. Nice. Okay. Pretty solid. Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't spend it digging a grave, per se? No. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so. Mm. Or at least I don't have memory. Well, with that uh, subtle segue, I wish I could say that Sims and Four Wheeling is Mm -hmm. what the subject of today's story did with their Friday free, but that is not the case. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then this wouldn't be a true crime podcast. It's true. Yeah. So on the morning of October 21st, mm-hmm. 2009, 15-year-old Alyssa Bustamante took a shovel into the woods behind her grandparents' home in rural Missouri, dug two graves, oh, gosh. and then she waited. Oh, man, the mountains called my number one. I'm just a Martins, Missouri, has been described as epitome of small-town America, one of those towns where everybody knows everybody, and that's really not an exaggeration since its population was just over 1,000 people. So small. Yes. On that same evening of October 21st, at around 6 p.m., nine-year-old Elizabeth Olton was due home for dinner after playing at a friend's house. Her friend, six-year-old Emma, had knocked on Elizabeth's door an hour earlier and asked if Elizabeth could come over to her house and play. Elizabeth's mother, Patty, wasn't too crazy about the idea of having a spur-of-moment playdate. It was nearly dinner time, and it was a school night, and it was going to be dark soon. But if you've ever been around six- and nine-year-old girls, they can be pretty persuasive when they want something. Yes, they can. Yes. So Patty said, okay, you can go, but take my cell phone in case you need it and make sure that you're home before it gets dark. And Elizabeth was a very responsible nine-year-old girl and also apparently hated the dark to the point where she had to sleep with a light on. Same. Same. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I had a nightlight until my teens. Yes. Or at least my TV on. Mm. Oh, yeah, the TV on, the hall light on. When I lived alone for the first time as an adult, I would sleep with... A light, a, a lamp on next to my. I would sleep head. with a hammer at the side mm. of my bed and socks in my waistband in case Why I was ever kidnapped. Oh, and I needed socks for my bare feet. And do you still do that to this day? Socks no, I'm pretty sleep naked. <laughs> if you come and get me, it's. I mean, I'm. It's game over. Yeah, I'm just. You're gonna have to pull out pieces of your hair and leave that along the trail. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but same Elizabeth, same. Um, um, um. So Patty wasn't worried about her not coming home when she was supposed to. The girls played hopscotch and board games in Emma's driveway for a little while, and around 6 o'clock, Elizabeth said she needed to be heading back. Emma stood on a big rock next to the driveway to wave her friend as she started her walk home, and then continued playing outside by herself. She wasn't sure exactly how much time had passed, but after a little while, she accidentally dropped a hair tie into some thorns along the driveway and got her foot stuck trying to get it back out. She called out for help and hoped someone in the house would hear her, 
through an open window. And a few moments later, her 15-year-old half-sister came out to help her. Emma noticed a spot of blood on the thigh of her sister's pants, and when she asked her about it, her sister said that she had just started her period and made Emma promise not to tell anyone about the blood. Back at the Olden's house, Patty was growing increasingly worried because it was now past 6 p.m. and Elizabeth was still not home. Patty called the cell phone she had given Elizabeth over and over, but every call went straight to voicemail. She then called Emma's grandmother to ask if Elizabeth was still at their house, but Karen had said she hadn't seen her all day, nor had she even had any idea the girls had been playing together. Ma'am, were they not outside your front door? Yeah, that seems a bit weird. Patty hung up and immediately called the police. Search of the surrounding homes and yards turned up no sign of the nine-year-old, so law enforcement sat down with the last known person to see Elizabeth, her six-year-old friend, Emma. She told investigators all day about how they'd played and she'd waved goodbye to Elizabeth around 6 p.m., then got her foot stuck in the thorn bush. And her half-sister helped her, a 15-year-old named Alyssa Busamonte. It did strike police as odd when Emma mentioned the spot of blood she noticed on Alyssa's pants, and also odd that she made her promise not to tell anyone about it. But I mean, I feel like period accidents are totally normal thing. I mean, especially as a teenager, so maybe they thought it was a little odd, but they aren't like, OMG, red flag. No, I... Yeah, that wouldn't have been anything at the time. Especially... period blood it was explained as period blood it wasn't like explained as oh it's just blood don't say anything right exactly so you know and that's totally a teenage thing to do is be like don't tell anybody because you're embarrassed even though you shouldn't be but yeah definitely not that weird so emma and Alyssa's grandmother karen was sitting in the living room with police as they spoke with emma and apparently she seemed pretty detached from the situation but did comment at the end quote we just want the truth to come out Whatever it is. By 10 p.m., the news of the nine-year-old girl missing had spread like wildfire in the small town of St. Martin's, and hundreds of people showed up to help search for Elizabeth. And I'm not sure exactly how this was confirmed because I saw it in multiple sources, but I'm not sure who specifically knew this. I'm assuming it was Emma, and she was the one that stood on the rock by the driveway and watched Elizabeth leave but apparently even though there was a two-lane road that went directly from Elizabeth's house to Emma's house and that was what they always walked on Mm -hmm. for whatever reason even though she was known to hate going in the woods she decided to go through the woods to get back home and maybe she just thought oh like I'm running a little late mom's gonna be mad and like her child mind it would be faster or sometimes as a kid you just do weird stuff without even really thinking about it so for whatever reason she apparently went home through that dense patch of woods which curved around and like behind neighboring lawns and backyards and it eventually ended back up at Elizabeth's house so yeah so by the time the full-blown search started it was around 10 p.m and even though there were hundreds of volunteers and law enforcement had been able to detect a ping from Elizabeth's cell phone in those woods it was dark and cold and had started to rain 
and searching the woods quickly became very rough. Even with search dogs, firefighters, police, helicopters, FBI, and the highway patrol, the search turned up nothing, and by Thursday morning, the phone battery had completely died. Everyone's overwhelming fear at this point was that Elizabeth had been abducted by an older male predator, an outsider passing through who happened upon her in the secluded wooded area as she made her way home, and at no point so far did anyone suspect that a member of their own community would be capable of making a small child vanish without a trace. Alyssa Daylene Bustamante was born on January 28, 1994, to teenage parents Michelle and Cesar Bustamante. Unfortunately, both of her parents had serious issues with abusing drugs and alcohol, and these did not really improve with the birth of their daughter, Alyssa. Her father, Caesar, was a violent criminal, and her mother, Michelle, was regularly in trouble with the police for theft and drug possession. The Bustamantes would go on to have three more children after Alyssa, and by all accounts, at best, their life was turbulent and unstable with the couple regularly being evicted and the children being bounced around and neglected due to their parents' substance abuse disorders. Apparently, Michelle's parents, Gary and Karen Brooke, would attempt to regularly bring meals and toiletries over to the children to try and create some feeling of stability, but ultimately, they knew this wasn't going to be enough. And in 2002, when Cesar Bustamante was sentenced to 10 years in prison for a violent assault, and Michelle was sadly still deeply struggling with drug addiction, the Brooks assumed full legal custody of Alyssa and her three siblings. They bought a ranch home on a large property in St. Martins, Missouri, settled down, and hoped that this would finally give the Bustamante children a chance at a stable and happy home life. And for the three youngest siblings, this plan would work wonders. But unfortunately for eight-year-old Alyssa, it was a bit of a different story. On the surface, Alyssa seemed to live a normal life. She was even described as a pretty teenager and looking like the girl next door. Her grandmother made sure that she was actively involved in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and hoped that by instilling in her a love of Jesus Christ, that that would help her. But Alyssa was arguably already beyond her or anyone else's help. She was actually a really good student academically, and according to her friends, for a while would be friendly and joke around and write poems and did youth social activities with the church. But around middle school, she began cultivating a much darker alter ego online. And her selfies became, I guess the right word is, dark, Caitlin? Is that what you would say? And yeah, this is something that I really want to talk about and talk about very delicately because what middle schooler or teenager that wasn't trying to be cool or edgy in the early 2000s, didn't do the heavy black eyeliner, the fringe bangs, oh, yeah. the even 
I will go so far as to say the ones where she admittedly does look super creepy where she's like like we're not saying it was a good look no but it wasn't like something that other kids weren't doing who went on to be totally fine it was like a hardcore gothic like scene kid thing Mm -hmm. that the i mean hot topic emo music like all of that stuff was culturally like what the outcast kids gravitated to or just those of us who were like trying to be cool and didn't know what to do so it really it wasn't out of the ordinary especially for that time period god i fuck me saying time period for 2009 (laughs) but yeah yeah it's not her image like her image isn't what i don't even know what i'm trying to say there was an article that was written that was like a blog post someone's personal blog where they were talking about this and they i wanted to read a quote because this is an attitude that i've seen a lot on the internet regarding her and her kind of look at this time Mm -hmm. and this person actually said quote the photos posted of Alyssa revealed her altered mental state her lipstick as if she were blood with eyes rimmed in a sinister way, making faces meant to instill fear or baring her teeth like a raging animal, quote. And they used this as a way to be like, well, obviously that meant she was going to kill somebody. And I think that that is a huge reach and very unnecessary and honestly dumb. Is this person aware of what teens were like in the early 2000s? (laughs) Clearly not. But that really is something I saw over and over and over again was people obsessing about those creepy pictures of her. And And I think it's easy to grasp. Like when somebody does something horrific, you want Mm -hmm. them to be their image to be not the regular person, not normal, not cut and clean. And that's exactly what she was. And they just held on to the image of her. Yeah. I think at the time, I'm not saying there weren't, there were obviously things brewing beneath the surface as we'll go on to see, but that very highly stylized way of wearing makeup and doing your hair and your eyeliner, that is not indicative of somebody being violent or sinister. So just want to put that out there because we need to stop doing that. And arguably far more concerning than some heavy eyeliner and fringe bangs was that around age 13, Alyssa began constantly cutting her forearms with a razor blade. And on Labor Day weekend 2007, Alyssa had to be rushed to the hospital after being discovered with the word hate carved into her own abdomen, which she had done by herself, and had also overdosed on Tylenol in an attempt to complete suicide. She would spend 10 days in a psychiatric unit in St. Martin before she was released. And apparently... It wasn't the first time that Alyssa had done something similar to this, but this attempt was the first time it was taken seriously enough by her grandparents to take her to a psychiatrist after her 10-day stint who diagnosed Alyssa with 
depression and bipolar disorder and also prescribed her an antidepressant. Unfortunately, though, this did not seem to improve the troubled young girl's psyche and she constantly swung back and forth from extreme joy and euphoria to absolute apathy and horrible bouts of extreme emotional and verbal violence towards her friends, family, uh, yeah, just really, really difficult for her and her grandparents. I. I could only imagine. Yeah, I can't imagine that and just teenage angst. Yeah. With that. Yeah. That feeling of helplessness would have been awful for them. A friend of Alyssa's from around this time named Jennifer Meyer also stated that one time she was at a party with Alyssa and, quote, she took me to a secluded place and said to me, you know, I would like to know how it feels to kill someone, quote. Jennifer thought that was definitely weird, but she was able to brush it off as Alyssa being dramatic because, as she would explain later, logically she just could not grasp that one of her friends would actually ever murder someone. And who does? You don't think that or let yourself think that of your friends, so... I completely understand why she thought that and maybe Karen, sorry, not Karen, maybe (laughs) it seems like Alyssa had that kind of angry, dramatic personality to begin with. So, I mean, yeah, and again, you're just not equipped with the knowledge to hell. They can't express themselves. How are they going to be able to read somebody else and like, yeah, they're not psychiatrists. They're not. It's that underdeveloped frontal cortex. I was a teen. I was also stupider than I am now. Mm, Yeah. Oh, gosh. (laughs) I just had visions in my mind of the things we used to do in a four-wheeler. And (laughs) thank the good Lord I'm here today is all I have to say. Fuck. Never said I wanted to kill anyone, though. No, just my sister, but I think that's... Oh, yeah. That's healthy. Well, no, normally I just prayed that she was dead. I didn't ask. I didn't do it myself. I prayed for others. If it was within the Lord's will. Yes. It was not, and now I'm grateful, but I digress. Oh, man. Yeah. When you look back hindsight 2020, you can see the red, the bouquet of red flags accumulating, but each individually isolated incident by itself is still not Oh, they're going to murder someone, I guess. I, I, I just don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's maybe it's because my friends weren't like that. Yeah. Yeah, I did not have the angsty scene kid friends. Mm-mm. I had the weird homeschool friends because I was a weird homeschooler. And weird homeschool people can be pretty awesome. I will give it that. We all turned out pretty good. No comment. <laughs> You bitch. (laughs) (laughs) On social media, like so many troubled young people do, she found an outlet for her budding violent tendencies that may as well have been on another planet apart from her clueless grandparents. She had Facebook, Twitter, MySpace, and had a YouTube account under the name Okami Cage, which apparently means wolf shadow in Japanese. 
and on her profile she wrote quote i like to cut myself and kill people okay things are getting a little weird i i just that violates our company standards for all forms of inappropriate speech like yes (laughs) yes and this was what two 2000s mid 2000s so i could see why she got away with doing all that because they didn't have all those things in place that would immediately like block your account for 30 days if you said weird stuff like that i think that was like the beginning of when we would have seminars at school of like a parent coming to tell us why their kid killed themselves because of the online bullying oh god yeah that was at the beginning of all that but you're right it wasn't as monitored as it is now yeah isn't it great how human beings will just find a way to ruin literally any new technology? That's why we can't have nice things. It's very true. In her posts, she uploaded things like, quote, I'm not crazy, just angry. And bad decisions make great stories. That's not that bad of a thing to okay, say. Okay, calm down, Justin James. <laughs> like... <laughs> I mean, she's not wrong, but, like, bad decisions as in, like, drinking a little too much and having, like, maybe fun. Yeah. Not killing someone. Yeah. Yeah, let's not say I like to cut myself and kill people, even if that's true. Tell somebody, just not the internet. Ew. Ugh. And to add to the massive bouquet of red flags, around this time of Alyssa being a gremlin online, that's a good, that's a good description. <laughs> I have meaner ones. That was the word that came to my mind when I looked at her snarling and then writing. Oh, I like to kill people. It's like, oh, she's a, a true gremlin. crotch gremlin. Yeah. She uploaded a video to YouTube that she titled Idiots Electrocuted by Electric Fence. Oh my God. Okay, here we go. This, <laughs> this is going to send me into uh, a rant. So please continue. In this recording, you can see her convincing two of her younger brothers, nine-year-old twins, to grab with their bare hands onto an electrified cattle fence. In the video, the little boys do so and fall to the ground, writhing in pain. No. Behind them, Alyssa can be heard sinisterly laughing. No. Man, I just want to throat punch this bitch. Oh my gosh. This is where it rolls over for me. I could somehow justify, not justify, but the other things could be chalked up to her trauma, Mm -hmm. her liking horror movies and heavy metal and gothic style stuff. And then also even the, the diagnoses Mm -hmm. and the, the tragic, because to me that is, that is tragic. That is a sign of your trauma coming out and needing help the self-harm and all of that stuff that does not mean you're gonna go on to harm somebody else but this is fucked up this is not okay and i know we all do we've all harmed our siblings in one way or another yeah but i mean it would end with like don't tell mom i didn't mean to i'm so sorry i didn't mean to hurt you but no she reveals that she knew exactly what was going to happen Mm -hmm. when they touched that fence and in an online post that read this is where everything gets good this is when my brothers end up hurt 
Oh my god. Yeah. Like no, she it was like psychotic. she planned planned out she could have killed them. Like little kids like that grabbing onto an electrified cattle fence with their bare hands. That's really really messed up. That's where I start to stop having empathy for her. Mm. And it's probably because I have little boys myself. And so the thought of anyone taking pleasure and trying to hurt them makes me just crazy. But that's... Uh, I, no. Again, I just want to throat punch this mm. child. Yes. Mm. yes. Throat punch people who make children grab cattle fences. Yes. We can make that all fit on a t-shirt. I, we can. <laughs> Catch it in our store. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, unsurprisingly, Alyssa also had a very low tolerance for any sort of inconvenience or frustration and would constantly fight with her family, classmates, and teachers. And I, I get that. I can resonate with that. I, yeah. I remember, again, teenage angst. And then I can't even imagine the situation, upbringing of not having your parents and oh, being yeah. uprooted. I get that. But her anger was and extreme I, I get- and volatile. And despite being on antidepressant medication after her previous suicide attempt, she continued cutting herself and would burn herself with cigarettes to the point where she had over 300 cuts and burn scars on her body, which she would proudly display to her friends. None of this is good. This like, is none just of like... this is getting to a good place. It's just a, an unraveling. Ugh, man yeah and i don't i want to be very careful too to say that peop it's not that people can't go through this kind of thing no. and find healing and be okay and that is not out of the question it's just the combination of all of these things coming together for her on top of that taking pleasure in hurting other people yeah. that is building to be something that's really just, dark yeah that's that's going past the, the line of being able to redeem yourself fully like hurting your brothers she's a piece of shit but she could stop yeah and grow from that yeah. not find excitement out of it there was still continue. a chance for a turning point yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But now. Yep. Ugh. On Friday, October 17th, 2009, Alyssa had a Friday off from school. And like we touched on before, she did not spend it doing normal 15-year-old things like going to the mall to wander around Hot Topic. No. She dug two graves in the woods behind her grandparents' property and went on about her business. Oh, God. And I'm going to guess... That those two graves were not for poor little woodland creatures. No. Four days later, Elizabeth Olton would be seen for the last time around 6.15 p.m. leaving her friend Emma Bustamante's house. Oh, baby. Now, remember how we said that law enforcement had been able to pick up a ping off of the phone that Patty had given to Elizabeth, which led them to search that wooded area between the Bustamante and Olton homes, but ultimately turned up nothing? Well, the ping may not have been super helpful, but the records investigators were able to obtain from the phone carrier sure were. Yes. 
as police went over the names of the people Elizabeth had spoken to on the day in question, they were surprised to see that she had received a call that same afternoon on her mother's cell phone from Emma's 15-year-old sister, Alyssa. And suddenly, that spot of period blood that little Emma had mentioned seeing on her half-sister's pants took on a whole new meaning. Boom, bitch. Hey, campers. Just taking a break for a moment to say that if, like us, you can't ever quite get enough of deep diving into macabre topics with fellow sickos, you should pop over and check out a podcast that was recently plugged on an episode of the wildly popular podcast Morbid called Say Psycho Right Now. You'll journey with two best friends, LJ and Toe, as they explore true crime, conspiracy, and all manner of spooky lore. We were especially intrigued and disturbed by their coverage of Nanny Doss, the giggling granny of Alabama. And their merch is pretty fantastic, too. You can listen to new episodes of Say Psycho right now, every week, wherever you get your podcasts. Investigators decided to sit down with Emma again to get, hopefully, a bit more information about what exactly had taken place on the afternoon of October 21st. And this time around, the little girl actually changed her story. She admitted that it hadn't been her idea to go to Elizabeth's house and ask her to play, but rather she had been encouraged to do so by her older half-sister, Alyssa. And the way Emma now remembered it, once they'd been outside, her sister had actually sent her home before disappearing into the woods with Elizabeth Olton. Right after speaking with Emma, investigators brought Alyssa into the police station for questioning. They kept things relaxed and informal for a while, and the officer in charge spent some time developing a rapport with the teenager to make her feel comfortable. But then the questioning becomes increasingly intense. And right here, I want to pause for a minute and say that if you guys have any curiosity at all, you can actually go on YouTube and we'll link it in the show notes, but you can watch the full interrogation of Alyssa Bustamante. And the link that we'll put up is actually, you watch the video and while you're watching it, it is analyzed by an expert who is like a forensic expert in body analytics. And the way that he breaks down how Alyssa's demeanor changes, how she moves her head when she speaks, how she shrugs one shoulder when she speaks, are all of the classic hallmarks of somebody who is a psychopath, mm -hmm. who is lying, who is narcissistic, who basically anything bad, she is just doing them all it's but, not childlike. No, it is psychopathic. No, it is so unsettling. And she's so young. That is the thing is that like, I just think about how much, how childlike and how innocent I was when I was 15. And I was, I know that I'm, I'm grateful to be 
blessed and fortunate enough to have had that innocence. It was not Alyssa's fault that she did not have that because of her shitty, shitty parents. Mm -hmm. But man, it is unsettling to watch her demeanor. But I'm going to say she had loving grandparents. Yes, she did. Who stood up for her. She did. And not everyone has that. She had a support system. She did. And I'm not attacking you at all. No, no, no. But she had a support system. You're right. You're very right. And I will also say that many sources talk about how involved that her grandparents and her were in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I am not a Mormon, but my husband and I became friends with a couple of Mormon missionaries a few years back. And we ended up, because the missionaries were so great and so Mm -hmm. kind, we ended up going to a couple of their services and like events that they had. And everybody was genuinely so kind, mm-hmm. so welcoming. We got invited to into the homes of many different people to have meals with them. It was just, I, and this was just one very isolated experience and impression of that type of community. But if what Alyssa was involved in was in any way similar to that, then she was surrounded by a lot of support from just people who, whatever you believe about religion, Mm -hmm. wanted the best for her and were trying to keep her socially engaged and in healthy relationships. And so you're absolutely right, Caitlin, that we cannot just say, well, everything was horrible her entire life because from age eight to almost 16, Mm -hmm. she was in a stable, loving environment with grandparents who really tried. And that's, oh man, I, I know I've said that's awful so many times, but really everything about this whole story is just so awful. But what Alyssa didn't know was that her grandparents had already allowed authorities to thoroughly search their house prior to the interview and in her bedroom, which looked as if a frickin' tornado had blown through it, they found a diary with a very interesting entry dated October 21st that, once they opened it, clearly had been scribbled over with a blue marker in an attempt to hide it. Though at first most of it was unreadable, they could make out two words that immediately made them send it off for further forensic testing. And those words were throat and cut. And after a forensic team painstakingly deciphered the passage in its entirety, this is what they found. And trigger warning, this is pretty disturbing if you want to skip ahead 30 seconds. Quote, I just effing killed someone. I strangled them and slit their throat and stabbed them. Now they're dead. I don't know how to feel ATM, aka at the moment. It was amazing. Spelled A-H-M-A-Z-I-N-G. Shut up, Alyssa. And then she wrote sick, S-I-C, sick in parentheses, period. As soon as you get over the, oh my god, I can't do this feeling, it's pretty enjoyable. 
I'm kind of nervous and shaky right now. K. I gotta go to church now. L O L. Quote. Lock that bitch up and throw <laughs> away the key. No, lock that bitch in a room with me because oh <laughs> I just Holy she's writing man. about somebody's baby. Oh, like, I could feel my face getting hotter as I oh, like. I don't with think I every word. cried while being pissed in a long time, and my ears, my ears, <laughs> my eyes are watering. <sighs> I'm man. I hope telling people to skip ahead thirty seconds was long enough. I don't know <laughs> if that was. If you skipped ahead to now, fuck this bitch. Yes. Like, I'm not going to be nice about this. No. I feel more worked up over this than Ed Kemper right now. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Besides this damning piece of evidence, police were also made aware that Alyssa had dug several holes behind her grandparents' house that looked remarkably similar to the one found in the woods. And when this was brought to her attention, she had shrugged it off by saying that she simply enjoyed digging holes. After going around in circles for an hour, the officer finally told Alyssa... I'm sorry. Did I take your spot? No, no, no. Oh, no. You said enjoy digging holes. And all I can think of is like, okay, zero from fucking (laughs) holes. I almost started singing, you've got to go dig those holes. (laughs) That song's a bang. I'm going to listen to that. Yeah, that's a great song. Oh, sorry. Again, I'm just trying to make light of this absolute <sighs> shit situation. Yes, terrible. After going around in circles for an hour, the officer finally told her that they had taken her journal into evidence and that they knew she was the one responsible for Elizabeth's death but that they still needed to hear the details in her own words. After taking a moment to collect her thoughts, Alyssa admitted that she had taken Elizabeth into the woods that day. She said that as they were walking along, the young girl had fallen and hit her head, and even though Alyssa tried desperately to help her, the impact of her fall unfortunately killed her. Shut up. Afraid that she would be blamed for the incident, Alyssa had chosen to burn Elizabeth's body, then went home as if nothing had happened. Are we in midsummer now? Like, I mean, I get being a child and lying, but like you lie to make yourself seem better. Right. Not you went and fucking (laughs) burnt a body. Yeah. Oh what child God. thinks of that? That's... But yeah, midsummer. Yeah. Don't tell me there's somebody dressed in a bear carcass <laughs> at the end of this. Because the detective interviewing her was not a dumbass, Praise he God. continued to push Alyssa to tell the truth. And eventually, she broke down and started sobbing. Once she had gotten control of herself enough to speak... She shared the following horrifying story. According to Alyssa, she had encountered Emma and Elizabeth outside around 5.30 p.m. Suddenly compelled to act upon the dark fantasies she had been thinking about for as long as she could remember, she made up her mind right then and there that she was going to kill Elizabeth. 
After telling Emma to leave them alone and go back in the house, she convinced Elizabeth to accompany her into the woods under the guise that she had a surprise for her out there. With no reason to suspect that she was in danger from her best friend's older sister, Elizabeth willingly followed Alyssa, holding onto her hand. Once they were deep enough in the woods where no one could hear them, Alyssa pulled out a kitchen knife and stabbed Alyssa several times all over her body before strangling her to the point of near death, then stabbing her multiple times in the chest and finally ending it by slicing Elizabeth's throat. Then she went home, washed up, wrote in her diary, and went to a dance at church. And if her diary is any indication, instead of having any remorse whatsoever over what she just done, the act of taking the young girl's life left her feeling exhilarated. Did I mention that I want to throat punch this thing? Even if you did, you can say it again because that's all... That's nice. That's I'm trying my best <laughs> to be nice. Um, we'll add this to the reasons of why we could never be good law enforcement and why I have immense respect for good law enforcement because to keep it together while you go through this process of having to get this confession and this information so that you can get to the point of slapping on the cuffs, that takes a special type of strength. I don't have that. To not launch yourself over the table right then and there. I'm definitely going to have to start putting some money to the side for like um, a rainy day. And that rainy day being me possibly being in prison if anybody <laughs> were to so much as threaten my child. So you want me to, uh, you'll give me access to that rainy day account and I'll funnel it into your commissary yes. so yes. that you can buy shower flip flops and ramen. Gotcha. Yes, I got a barter. Mm, yes, yes. Hook up my prison girlfriend. <laughs> Get those Kool-Aid packets. Yep. Yep. I've seen the videos on how to do prison makeup and yes. a prison pizza. Oh, prison pizza? Yeah. It's like chips and ramen and stuff. Oh, interesting. I don't know. I'm prepared. I'm doomsday prepping and I'm prison prepping. You're pre <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey. I mean, you're already way more prepared than I am. So if I ever go to prison, my only plan is I'm just going to be somebody's bitch. Oh, That's 100%. Uh, I will do some stretching. I'm very limber. Mm-hmm. Yep. I I'll probably end up being a drug mule because of my leg, unfortunately. Or fortunately, depending huh? how much money I make off of it. That's true. That's true. You can... Pick up your smoking habit. <laughs> Trade some packs of six. <sighs> well, shall we continue? Uh, yeah, I don't even want to say this cunt's name. Yeah. And I can say that. Yeah, because it's our podcast. Yep. <sighs> Alyssa was immediately arrested and charged with first-degree murder in the death of Elizabeth Olton. And her callousness and lack of empathy would lead investigators to believe that she was more than capable of doing the same to someone else. 
should the opportunity arise. Taking her apparent immunity to the suffering of others into consideration, a judge for the state of Missouri ruled on November 17th that she should be tried as an adult. Damn right. That is, yes. There are some cases where I'm either like absolutely not or I'm on the fence, but in this case... This was not a childish mistake decision. This was a... This was her thinking that she was grown. She was onto something. This was brutality on the level that even people who murder other people don't hit that level of brutality when murdering. Does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. like she actually she enjoyed lured the pr- this the child over. Yeah. She used her sister as a pawn. She held <sighs> this little girl's hand and oh led her God. i just like Ugh. <sighs> there's something so evil that people when i was reading articles were commenting there's only demons could be responsible for this this is demonic this is the work of satan blah 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 and we as human beings try to make some sort of sense mm-hmm. of things like this that happen and I don't understand how those things work exactly and the person responsible for this is Alyssa the end but could I believe that she allowed something just so dark into her in a spiritual sense i maybe it's hard to not let your mind go there whether it was spiritual or not yeah she had evil inside of her oh yeah and she made choices that were no one's to make but her own she there is proof that she wrote out the thought process yeah and then she acted on said thought process and it was incredibly premeditated incredibly because she dug she took a knife and again we go back to strangling is such a it is not an easy personal yeah yeah stabbing is very personal oh yeah yeah and how much have we read about how both strangling and stabbing are not only personal in the sense of possession, but mm-hmm. they're also sexual. Yeah. There's just, I would love to do a um, like deep dive on her psyche mm-hmm. more than just, because I, her mental illnesses are valid and whatnot, but to me, mm-hmm. they have nothing to do to what, what she did to oh, Elizabeth. Yeah, like they're absolutely eh. not. Yeah. We're on antidepressants. Oh Who my the gosh, hell's not yeah. on a fucking antidepressant? Exactly. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. many people have a very real and legitimate diagnosis of depression or bipolar or both combined, and they n- never would even consider harming another person. So, again, it was just the perfect storm of many things that I think the icing on the whole fucked up cake was the evil that was inside of her. Well, in October of 2009, Alyssa was charged with first-degree murder in the death of Elizabeth Olton, which carried a sentence of life without parole if convicted. After entering a plea of not guilty, I will never understand 
how a guilty person can do that, but yeah. I digress. <laughs> Despite her previous confession, she was remanded to custody awaiting trial. Alyssa's defense team would go on at trial to focus on her family history of drug abuse, suicide attempts, and mental disorders. And in depicting the defendant's mental state prior to the crime, her lawyers also told the jury that her mother had abandoned her and her father was in prison. No. No we offense, don't need I to, hope that yeah. lawyer got no money from yeah. this case. We don't need to rehash everything we just said again, but the last thing I'll add is that to me this is a slap in the face to people who go through all of this exact type of horribleness and end up being whole healed functioning contributing decent people and you're not doomed to go on and horrifically sadistically murder a child because of yes terrible things that happen to you and mm -hmm. we can grieve and mourn for baby Alyssa absolutely and be angry at the circumstances that she was brought into the world under but that is no excuse for her crime none at all Ugh. following over two years of legal wrangling on january 30th 2012 she agreed to plead guilty to second-degree murder committed with the aid of a deadly weapon in exchange for a sentence of life plus 30 years with the possibility of parole even though she had chosen to take the deal an appeal was filed on her behalf which was dismissed in 2014. Bearing anything unforeseen, she won't be eligible for release until around 2047. Nine months after Alyssa's punishment was decided, Patty Prius sued both her and the mental health clinic that had been overseeing her care in the months leading up to her daughter's murder. In her wrongful death claim, she asserted that the facility had done nothing to protect the public from this troubled girl whose violent tendencies had been observed over time and again by members of the medical staff. Although Alyssa was prescribed antidepressants, she would later claim that, if anything, they had made her feeling of hostility worse rather than better. Oh. Okay, wouldn't that have been noted to said facility? Yeah. Like, said health care? I don't know. Yeah, that's a... I guess I I'm, could see, I don't know a whole lot about that because what I take is anti-anxiety medicine, not antidepressant, but I could see that if you had a tendency already to mm -hmm. get ramped up anger and hostility wise, maybe an antidepressant could elevate yeah. that. Yeah, and I, I I had to switch antidepressants mm -hmm. before the Zoloft. Um, yeah. I had to switch because it just wasn't working well. It didn't help me or anything oh, and yeah. it made me like more depressed if anything Weird. so i get yeah. that but yeah they're I... so subjective and it, it they're so personal to each individual person but that's but definitely you know interesting Alyssa, if you were so well informed that your mental state was worsening like you were aware of that yeah to say that you were aware of what you were doing oh gosh was wrong yeah yeah exactly in a separate proceeding Prius had also sued Alyssa's grandparents, Gary and Karen Brooke. As her legal guardians, she held them partially responsible for the actions of the teenager who had shown signs of severe psychosis long before the attack on Elizabeth. In October of 2014, the case was settled for 400000 
it always makes me sad yeah. seeing that people and i mean you do it because you want to see the people responsible punished. Yeah. i know we've said that before yeah it just it you've <sighs> i almost feel like as a parent of a child that a victim you just feel that you have to do everything you can to show them or to show yourself that you're doing something mm-hmm. and it's part of the grieving process and it's not going to bring them back but you're like I can't sit back and do nothing somebody needs to pay mm-hmm. everybody needs to pay it's I can't blame her at all it's a hopeless feeling I don't wish on yeah. anyone I I'm also very interested in I couldn't find this in the research that I was doing but when it mentions the severe psychosis that her grandparents were seeing mm-hmm. before that happened what exactly because that's such a broad broad term and yeah and I, I know you did more reading on this yeah. than I did um but anything everything that I read on this did not dive into that like yeah. I tried to figure out yeah because like I love the mental mm-hmm. like the I psychoanalysis talk. yes aspect. I love that yeah. and it just wasn't it maybe because she was a minor I don't yeah. know I think it, this is pure speculation but I could completely see where her grandparents being much older Maybe they genuinely did not recognize what was happening. I mean, honestly, I think this is a ex- could be an example against speculation mm-hmm. that she's about the same age as me. Mm-hmm. If her grandparents were the same age as my grandparents, that generation didn't talk about that stuff. They didn't know how to deal with that stuff. You're very correct. So yes. you know, maybe it was yeah. a generational type thing. They would not have had anything to attach what they were seeing to like now everybody's we're diagnosing ourselves and everybody we have a five minute conversation with which is definitely a very double-edged sword and can be very dangerous but they wouldn't have had any tools whatsoever to hell they probably thought she was a witch yeah and they even they tried they did take her to a psychiatrist they Honestly, tried to get like, her the help they, they needed, did so. more than and again that goes back to she was supported because mm-hmm. how many yep. people would i don't know yeah a judge eventually threw out the complaint against the healthcare facility after determining that they were in no way responsible for Alyssa's actions the case against elizabeth's killer however was allowed to move forward in 2017 a settlement was reached in the wrongful death case against Alyssa. Though it wouldn't bring her daughter back, Patty Priest was awarded a $5 million settlement. This meant that monies received by Elizabeth's killer outside of her monthly prison stipend, including earnings from book or movie deals, paid interviews and the like, would all go to the victim's family. And this is something else that is really gross but in the aftermath of this this killer actually developed this kind of like cult-like status like people obsessing over her and creepily worshiping her like Marilyn Manson and there are YouTube videos dedicated to her with like photo and video collages and people actually thinking that she is cool and hot and 
I really hope these people are on the FBI's list. I really like, hope, I hope they're so being too. monitored because they're just as deranged. Kooky. Yes, yeah. that is just so wrong. And in an unsettling turn of events, Senate Bill 26 was signed into law by the governor of Missouri in 2021. In a nutshell, this bit of legislation allows for leniency if the offender was under the age of 18 at the time of their crime or crimes and received a sentence of more than 15 years. Since Alyssa was only 15 when she committed this heinous murder, this exception would drastically reduce the amount of time she would be required to serve before she would be considered for parole. If she is deemed a candidate for this legislation, SB 26, she could conceivably be released as early as 2027. Needless to say, a slew of victim advocates, including Elizabeth's own mother, are working tirelessly to prevent this from becoming a reality. And I will throw in right here, spur of the moment, if there are any sort of petitions out there to keep this from happening, we will link them to our show <laughs> notes and we will be signing them immediately. For the time being, Alyssa Bustamante is being housed at the Chilicotha Correctional Center where if there is any justice to be had in the world, she will hopefully remain for a very, very long time and the world will be better off for it. And the last thing we want to say, because the person who tends to get lost in this horrible story is the victim herself, Elizabeth. I want to mention that everybody who knew her, loved her so much, spoke about how sweet she was, how kind she was, how much of a girly girl that she was. She loved princesses and flowers and dresses. And the day that she went over to play with Emma, she was actually sitting at her table practicing lines for a play she was getting ready to be in at school. And even though she had a short life that was tragically taken from her by a animal the life that she had was full of love and joy and we definitely don't want to forget about her the most important person in the story so yeah sorry to do that to y'all that was a bleak one caitlin is crying caitlin is crying either because of everything i just said or because she broke her foot because her fat baby made her <laughs> fall <laughs> uh, yeah yeah you know what that could be <laughs> my foot is tingling a little oh yes caitlin do you want to end on a more um fun note and tell everyone why camden is canceled what happened to yeah, you two um, days ago no yesterday oh yesterday yeah, it was just yesterday oh I my guess. gosh yeah you're right yeah yesterday uh, just to sum it up, walking down one step mm -hmm. with my chunk-a-dunk of a eight-month-old <laughs> child, 
and my ankle rolled and my body went flat down and i honestly don't know what happened all i was focused on was making sure my little chunk of dunk made it safely to the ground you did because you're a good mommy and he was okay and my foot is not oh my gosh (laughs) and you said you have a fracture in it's your right foot the fifth metatarsal Mm, yes yeah i'm so sorry wednesday we're gonna see if it's I've already read so many things and <laughs> worked myself into like, oh my god, I'm gonna need surgery. I'm gonna oh, need like a no. new foot. Like, <laughs> don't worry, uh, Caitlin. If you do become an amputee, you can still live a full and happy life. As thank you, I'm... Genevieve. <laughs> You're welcome. You're strong. You're an inspiration. Thank you. Thank you. But you bet your ass I will be getting. Like I told Jacob already. I'm like, we're going to the zoo. I'm getting a scooter. We're getting like. <laughs> porn star prime parking handicap parking yes Yes, you deserve it thank you and make sure that camden knows how good of a mom you are that you sacrificed yourself it's this i'm gonna take a picture of my broken foot and put it in his baby book (laughs) please do you did this to me oh and he had no cares whatsoever he was out there he just sat on the floor and then he started (laughs) playing with his food package (laughs) but again he's safe that's good (laughs) oh man but yeah well as unfortunate as what happened to you was is still happier than the story so we'll say we ended on a positive note and in the meantime if you would like to hear more of our shenanigans you can follow us on instagram at camping is canceled send us a gmail if there are any cases you would like to hear covered to camping is canceled at gmail.com you can also find us on patreon at camping is canceled and we do want to give a shout out to a wonderful new patreon subscriber bethany who bethany I'm going to say was the very first person who ever introduced me to a true crime podcast. Shout out to the OG true crime champions, Karen and Georgia of My Favorite Murder. And that feels like a lifetime ago, but Bethany is beautiful and amazing. She is one of my dearest and best friends, even though I never get to see her anymore because we live far away and life happens. But I love you, Bethany. Thank you so much for the support. And yeah. And I don't have anyone else to thank. (laughs) Thanks, Camden, for my broken foot. Okay. (laughs) Bye. Catch us back here next week. Bye. Bye. (laughs)